Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Discomfort and destiny. What if the place of my greatest discomfort is actually the place of the greatest growth towards my destiny? I'll say that again because I really want your attention for a minute to focus in on that. What if the place of my greatest discomfort, some of you will be in that now and it'll be all about COVID and where you live. Some of you, it'll be nothing to do with that. It'll be a health issue of some other kind or a business issue or a relationship that's starting to show cracks in it. But what if the place of my greatest discomfort right now is actually the place of my greatest growth towards my destiny. I want to take you this morning to a few stories. Most of you will know them fairly well. The first story is that of Joseph, that Joseph of the Technicolor dream coat guy. Genesis 37 verse 19 says, The brothers said about Joseph, their brother, Here comes that master dreamer or the master of dreams. Now, it's not too harsh to suggest that Joseph is a bit of a daddy's favourite, that this young man, known for his dreams, but not known at all for hard work, dad gives him a special coat. That's what the musical was about. But, you know, we all probably know what it's like if you've got siblings. We know what it's like when you think that one of your brothers or sisters is actually mum or dad's favourite, you'll know how well that went down in Joseph's family. Not only is he staying home, but dad has kind of really made him out to be his favourite without any doubt. Genesis 37 verse 12 says, Soon after this, Joseph's brothers went to pasture their father's flocks at Shechem. When they'd been gone for some time, Jacob, that's the dad, said to Joseph, your brothers are pasturing the sheep at Shechem. Get ready and I will send them to you. I'm ready to go, Joseph replied. But I don't know about you, but if that was one of my three brothers or my three sisters, I want to know how come he gets to stay home binge watching Netflix, wearing his fancy little jacket that dad gave him while I'm out there in the wet and the cold. I'm out there looking after the sheep. I'd be kind of feeling a little bit hard done by. And obviously Joseph is really into comfort in a big way. He's wearing his fancy jacket. He's staying at home and enjoying himself. He's old enough to go. He just doesn't go. But you know the way the story continues is that Joseph gets sold into slavery, goes to Potiphar's house, and as a slave, the boy who got to stay home while everybody else worked, that's all finished. As a slave, the dreamer has to work and has to work hard. But here's the deal. He discovers a talent for organising that no one, including himself, had ever seen in him. Nobody had ever said, this guy's got leadership potential. This guy, matter of fact, the brothers, they absolutely criticised and diminished any leadership Joseph might have had. They said, who does he think he is? 
But in the place of his great discomfort, he discovers a talent for organising. And this discomfort place becomes the place of his greatest growth and the place of his greatest opportunity. When he's brought before Pharaoh, he does more than what Pharaoh asks, which is use your supernatural gift to interpret the dream that's been troubling me. Joseph brings in everything he learned in the worst place and says to Pharaoh, not only will I tell you what the dream says, but let me tell you what you ought to do. And all of a sudden, the dreamer has become the strategist. His worst place, his discomfort place became the place of his greatest growth that unlocks his destiny. Let me take you to another story. This one's the Apostle Paul, but we're going to read about him when he was still known by his birth name, which was Saul. So this is Saul in Acts chapter 7, verse 58. It says that they cast him, this is Stephen, one of the first ushers in the church and the first martyr who declared that he saw the heavens open and Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. And they begin to get angry at him because what he's saying is that Jesus is God. And those people, they've, they've crucified the Messiah. The last thing they want to hear is that the one they crucified was actually God all along and they made a terrible mistake. So after this, they cast him out of the city and stoned him and the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. It says, and Saul was consenting unto his death. In other words, he never raised a voice of protest. He simply looked at it and said, good job. Well done. Let me help. I'll mind your jackets while you kill him. Well, the next thing we read about him, the next chapter, Acts chapter 8, verse 3, says, As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house, dragging off men and women and committing them to prison. Now, there's a whole lot. We could go on another tangent here and talk about this day of discomfort for the church and how their day of discomfort ended up becoming their day of the greatest growth of the church. It spreads out of Jerusalem, which is where it's been locked up. And all of a sudden the gospel under this persecution goes right throughout the known world. Well, let's not go down that way for a minute. Let's zero in on this guy, Saul, who is so intent and so committed to the orthodoxy of the religion that he was raised in, that he's actually not just content to stand up and to speak against the church, against Christ, against the gospel. He's got the power. He went and got letters of authority, a warrant if you like. If you said you were a follower of Christ, He drags you, forget the kids, forget your job, forget your home. He drags you out of your home, entering into every house, drags you out and locks you up with no court of appeal. Simply, can you imagine that kind of totalitarian power and authority that this guy has to say, you know what? I don't care about you. I'm going to cut you off to jail. This guy is there. Well, between Acts chapter 8 and Acts chapter 9, 
we discover that this same guy, Saul, has an encounter with Jesus Christ that is so life-changing like every encounter with Jesus is. It's so life-changing that this man who has been so against the believers all of a sudden meets the Lord who Stephen saw standing at the right hand of God. He's knocked down to the ground. He's blinded. And so they lead him uh, off to a safe place. But in the meantime, the Lord appears to a disciple, not a pastor, not an apostle, but a disciple called Ananias. And listen to what the Lord says to Ananias. He says, I want you to go to Saul and lay hands on him. And I want you to give him this message. Ananias at first, like any sane person would do, says, hello, are you sure? Because I've heard about him. I'm putting myself in the place of great discomfort. This is not somewhere. Ananias just went, yeah, great idea. I'm all for that. Ananias is actually going, are you kidding me? Like, this is not a good idea. How many people have ever told the Lord this is not a good idea? Huh? We all have, haven't we? At some time or other, you feel prompted by the Holy Spirit and you go, I don't want to do that. Come on now. Come on, let's be real about this. I, matter of fact, if, if you've never done that, you need to listen more. Because I'm pretty sure Jesus wants to say some things to you and to me that I go, what the? Hello? Not sure about that. So Ananias does exactly the same thing. But he says this to him. I'm going to read it to you. Acts 9 verse 15. But the Lord said to him, that's Ananias, go for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Well, Ananias is going, well, that's going to go down like, you know, an absolute lead balloon that is. You've got to remember that this guy Saul is so committed to the orthodoxy of the religion of his upbringing that the last person he will have contact with is a Gentile. This is just the culture of the day. He would not eat with a Gentile. He would not walk into a Gentile home. He would not go into a Gentile place of business. And now Jesus says to him, you are my chosen vessel to take my name to, you know, if the Lord had said to Jews, you know, to the, the Caiaphas, the high priest, or to whoever, the Pharisees, he would have gone, you're right on, Lord. Yeah, I'm going to go tell those Pharisees. Woo! But the Lord never said that. The Lord said, you're going to bear my name to Gentiles. And here's this guy wouldn't eat with them wouldn't go into their house, wouldn't go into their business. And the Lord says, guess who I'm sending you to? woo Isn't that going to be great fun? Talk about discomfort, yet his discomfort becomes his place of destiny. It becomes the place of his greatest opportunity. Listen, whenever you read one of his letters to Romans, or First and Second Corinthians, or Galatians, or Ephesians, or Colossians, or Philippians, or First or Second Thessalonians, or First or Second Timothy, or Titus, or Philemon, any one of those thirteen books that are in the New Testament. Whenever you read one of those, you should be grateful that this man never ran away from his discomfort 
but he stayed and grew in the midst of it. You only have all those epistles because one man said, my discomfort just might be my destiny. Are you with me this morning? Come on. I want you to get this because I know there are multitudes of people that right now are saying, oh, this is terrible. This is bad. Whether it's business, health, whatever, personal life. You may just, maybe nothing to do with anything happening out there. It might be some turmoil within. And you go, God, I hate this. I just want to get out of it. The Lord says, hold on a second. What if the place of your discomfort is actually going to become the place of your greatest growth and the place of your greatest destiny? What if all this is about is not about what you need to get out of, but what you need to get out of what you're in? Here's the lesson. Don't pray to get out of your discomfort. Pray to get something out of it. Did you hear that this morning? Don't pray to get out of your discomfort. Pray to get something out of it. I promised you a few stories. Here's the third one. This is David. Now, I never saw this until a week or so ago as I'm preparing this. It it never had registered with me and I'll certainly give all the credit to the Holy Spirit who wrote the Word and so He knows how to interpret the Word. But I realised in one moment of Holy Spirit inspiration that all of David's life was a solo effort. When he killed the lion, he was alone. Nobody there, just him and the sheep. When he killed the bear, he was alone. Nobody there but him and the sheep. When he faced Goliath, not one of his brothers or of the people of Israel wanted to go down with him. No one said, let me carry your bag. They're all looking at him going, this is on you. And he went down alone. And every victory in David's life had been a solo effort. All of his life was about what he could do and what he could believe. 1 Samuel chapter 22 and verse 2 after David is driven out of King Saul's presence and has become a hunted, a fugitive, someone on the run for his life. After that, uh, it says that 400 men came to David and listen to the description of these amazing people God sends to help you. 400 men in debt, discontented and distressed. These people are like, they are not going, hey man, we come, we're going to bring our stuff. We got it. Woo. I'm going to bring my, 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 I've got my strength. I'm bringing all my resources. These are people who are broke. They've got nothing. They're broken hearted as well as being broke. And they turn up and go, we're here to help. And I reckon David must have looked at them all and said, is there anyone else? Huh? What would you think your David, your strength killed a lion, your strength killed a bear, your strength killed a giant, and now you've got 400 whinging, whining, uh, busted up people and you're supposed to do something with them? It's too hard. I don't want to. Ah, I I miss home. Ah. All that stuff. 
But here's the remarkable thing, and I want you to get this because this, I believe, is David's greatest place of discomfort. It wasn't Goliath. He walked into that with confidence. Discomfort is not where you feel great. Discomfort is where you feel lousy. Discomfort is where you feel like, God, just get me out. That's all I want. Get me out of here. But David stays and it's in his place of greatest discomfort. Well, let me read to you 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 22. It says this, that David, from that time they came to David day by day to help him until it was a great army. Now, this next phrase appears nowhere else in the Bible. It says, an army like the army of God. All of a sudden, David, the solo star, becomes a leader of people and someone who transforms others' lives and lifts them. Talk about discomfort. You go, what's that got to do with Well, One day he's going to be king over all of Israel, king over Judah. And you can't be king and just be a solo artist. You've got to be able to lead others. You've got to be able to help other people rise. And this guy's place of greatest discomfort becomes the place of his destiny, the place of his growth. I'll say it to you again. Don't pray to get out of your discomfort. Pray to get something out of it. Don't pray to get out of it. Pray to get something out of it. Just maybe today, the place of your greatest discomfort is actually equipping you for the destiny that lies ahead of you. Now, can I be this honest? This is so easy to preach, but I've got to live it like you do. And there's lots of times where messages like this, I heal them from the Holy Spirit and they don't come out of my success and out of my strength and out of my goodness and out of my whatever. They come from, to me as a message like you're getting it. You can sit there and go, I don't like that. Well, join the line. I've already said that. I don't want that. Are you kidding me, Lord? I don't, want, I don't want to grow in my discomfort. I actually want you to get me out of this thing. Can't you fix this? Like, hello, you're God. Fix it. Mm. Do I have any other people in the building? Do I have any other people in Metro Church Online who go, that's me. That's me, it's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord. And I, I, I don't know how to, do much else other than to say, like Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Didn't say with the good bits of your heart and the part of your heart where you're going really cruisy and well and everything's sweet. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. He says, stop trying to figure all this out. I'm going to be speaking in tonight's service about your inputs and the inputs you need that lift you and the ones that will just basically sink you. There's a lot to say about that that I know will help people. Lean not in your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. He'll direct your paths. Did you get that? He said, you're looking for guidance. You're looking for the way through. He says, you don't get that guidance until you trust me until you don't lean on your own understanding. In other words, I'm going to lean on God and until I acknowledge Him. When I say, Lord, you're in charge of my life. Lord, you've got this. Lord, you're going to help me. 
Lord, I don't see how this can even happen. Lord, there's nothing inside of me that sees an answer, but God, I trust you. And he says, if you'll do that, he says, I'll direct you. I'll take you out. I'll finish with this. My father told me a story when I was a boy. He told me a story about how he was on the Sunshine Coast. He and his brothers had a banana farm. And uh, it's quite hilly and quite uh, jungly, really, I guess is the only way to say it. And there's a particular plant that grows there called lantana. And lantana's prickly and it intertwines and it's really so dense. And somehow or other, my father had gone away from the tracks that he knew and it was starting to get dark. And as it got dark, he's trying to quickly realise I've got to get out of here. But all he can see around about him is this impenetrable wall of lantana, prickly. So my dad is looking and he's, I don't know how big the area was, but he's moving around it all, trying to go, how, where's my way out? What am I going to do? Finally, in desperation, my father told me, he said, I knelt down in the middle of that little thicket, that clearing, and I prayed. And I said, Lord, will you show me the way out of here? He said, I opened my eyes and directly in front of me was a hole created by a wallaby. That's like a small kangaroo. He said, I couldn't have seen it while I was standing up. He said, but when I knelt and I asked God for his help, I looked up and I saw it. He said, and I crawled through it and it took me home. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Are you ready to humble yourself today and kneel? Maybe the answer's not up here. Maybe it's as you get down and say, Lord, I'm going to trust you. Lord, I'm going to believe you're going to help me find the way out of this. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. I want to pray for people in a minute that you say, Jeff, I'm in the place of great discomfort. Hello, that's probably a lot of people. But thank God, see that God's well able. It doesn't matter how many, do you know that God's got more than enough power for every human being on the planet? What is it now, six and something billion? And God doesn't have to go, oh, look, I've only got five billion power today. I've only got four billion. Not sure how to help the rest. He goes, no, I can do the lot. So I'm going to be praying for you that in the midst of it all, God will help you get something out of it before He gets you out of it. He'll get you out of it. But before He does, would you ask Him, God, give me something in this? Maybe that's part of the key to your destiny. I've met so many people for whom a difficult time in their life became the very means that they were able to use to help others. Just before I pray for those people though, there's another great verse. This is my last one for you. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, I remember learning it years ago. It says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. The Bible doesn't say Jesus is a way to God. The Bible doesn't say that putting your trust in Jesus is another nice thing to do. It says, no, it's a must do. There's no other name. But I believe this morning that if you would like to put your trust in Christ, if you would like to say yes to Jesus, 
I know that He is waiting to hear you. I know that if you will do that, you will be saved. Saved is not a word so many people use, but it's a good word. Because I'm telling you, if you're out in one of our famous beaches and you get caught in a rip and you raise your hand, you right there don't need a lecture. You don't need another set of rules. You don't need a bunch of warning signs what you need to save you. Can I say to you, there's millions of people in our world right now that need a Saviour and Jesus says that's Him. Amen. All you got to do is say yes to Christ. If you're in Australia, you can simply do it by texting yes to 0488 826 392. If you're in Australia and you'd like to get it via email or you're outside of Australia, you just give us your yes at yes.metrochurch.org.au. And then every day after that for 30 days, you can opt out if you choose, but most people don't. They stay with it. And every day for 30 days, you get on one screen of your smartphone or on that email, you get something from us. doesn't come from anywhere else. It's from our church. And it's a scripture and a prayer that you can pray and make yours. There's actually then another 52 mini-series on all these great topics to help you grow. 550 of them if you want to opt in for those as you go along. I pray you'll do that this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You today for Your amazing love. We sang that. Your amazing love. God, I thank You that You didn't just sing about love, talk about love, but God demonstrated His love for us. In that while we were sinners a long way from God, Christ died for us. Father, I pray for people right now that are saying their yes to You right now, wherever they are. They might have been raised in church or maybe they've never been to church. They might have a whole lot of reasons why they're not sure. But right now they feel a prompting, something urging them to say yes. I pray God as they say their yes, I know You'll come into their life transforming them because You're a Saviour who saves. But Lord, I pray today as well for people here that are in a place of great discomfort. Lord, I'd never make light of it. For some, it's far more than discomfort. It's, it's life-threatening and impacting. And maybe for them, they, they don't feel at all like it's a small thing. But God, if You'd help Joseph, You'd help Saul, who became Paul, and if You helped David, to find something in the place of discomfort that unlocked their destiny, then You can do it again for us in Jesus' Name. So help them today, Lord, I pray in the mighty Name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.